Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Last week, we talked about the woman at the well and the conversation that, that Jesus had there with the woman at the well. And I shared with you last week, and we're going to be talking about Nicodemus here in just a few moments, but I shared with you last week that a lot of the ministry of Jesus was a conversation. Jesus practiced what we called conversational evangelism. That means that he would engage people where they were, he would have a conversation with them, and in the course of that conversation, the message of the kingdom of God would be shared. Now, the same thing was pretty much happening here with Nicodemus. We see this in the life of Jesus. The Bible said that he would talk to them as he walked with them by the way. There's another place where the Bible said Jesus sat down and taught them. Another place in the scripture, and we'll be dealing with this in upcoming weeks, but Jesus actually walked up to a tree, a sycamore tree, and told Zacchaeus, come on down here, I want to talk to you. We need to have a conversation. I'm going to go to your house for tea. And so we see that Jesus was a great conversationalist. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And he had heard stories about Jesus. And he knew that there was something supernatural going on with this man by the name of Jesus. And the reason he knew that was because everywhere Jesus went in his three and a half year ministry, there were signs that followed. Miracles were taking place. Deaf people were hearing again and blind people were seeing again and lame people were walking again and leprosy was being cleansed. And there's even a few occasions where dead people were being raised. One place, a, a person had been dead for four days. Lazarus had been dead for four days in Bethany. And the Bible said Jesus told him to roll away the stone. And they told him, Lord, he stinks by now. Jesus said, roll away the stone. And he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth in grave clothes, wrapped in grave clothes. And you know the story. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. So Nicodemus was hearing all of these things. He's hearing about this, this, these wonderful works of God. The apostle John said that if it were written that all of the books in the world could not contain everything that Jesus did during the time that he was here on the face of the earth. So we just have a small portion of the life of Jesus to go by. And just that small portion of the life of Jesus has influenced our lives for over 2,000 years. That's a powerful man. That's powerful influence. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, he says uh, no man can do these miracles that you are doing unless God is with him. With that, let me say this. The most powerful attraction to lost people, intellectuals or non-intellectuals, rich or poor, the most powerful attraction to them is the power of God on display. It's the power of God on display. The problem with the Spirit-filled church today is they preach a power they're not producing. Come on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're getting into this this morning. We preach a power we're not producing. We profess a Christ that half of us don't know. Oh, we know about Him. We know about Him. But knowing about him and knowing him and being in relationship with him are two different things. And so 
Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he realized that Jesus wasn't just the average person. He wasn't your average person out there walking along the street and he called him rabbi. He called him rabbi and he knew that Jesus was a fifth level rabbi, which is the highest rank of rabbi that you can, you can become. And so he knew that he was a rabbi. So he comes to Jesus because of the miracles, because of the manifestation of the power of God following his ministry, because of the signs following, he comes to Jesus and he says to him, no man can do what you're doing except God be with him. So he knew that there was something supernatural about Christ. Now let me say this uh, just in passing here. In our attempts to win people to Christ, to share people, to share Christ with people, we have to be very discerning about what God is doing in that person's life. The Bible says that Paul planted and Apollos watered and God gave the increase. Every single person that gives their life to Christ, almost every person that gives their life to Christ has the process of planting, watering, and then salvation. Very seldom do we go out here on the street, walk up to somebody who's never heard of Jesus before and share with them the message of salvation and they give their life to Christ on the spot. Most of the time when we pray for people to give their life to Christ it's because somebody somewhere has planted the seed of the Word of God inside of them. They probably have a praying grandma somewhere or a praying aunt, or a praying uncle, or they were raised in church and for some reason or another have uh, went away from church. You know, they're using excuses like, well, I was church hurt or I was, you know, and like I've said before, I've never heard anybody say, I'm not going to go in the world because I was world hurt. But they say that about the church. Well, I was church hurt. Well, where there's people, there's going to be hurt. Because people are people and people are not perfect. The only perfect person that ever walked was crucified and then three days rose again and now sits at the right hand of the Heavenly Father making intercession for you and me and His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so, and so we've got to be discerning about when we're sharing our faith, we have to be discerning about where the people may be in their journey towards Christ. So Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and he says, no one can do what you're doing except the Spirit draws him. So he was already exposed to the power of God. He was exposed to the rumors and now he was face to face with the Christ, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about the conversation that Jesus had. I want to talk to you about what he talked to Nicodemus about to move Nicodemus toward the revelation of the kingdom of God. And hopefully we can use this to apply it to our hearts and our lives and our efforts to win people to Christ. First thing Jesus did was he talked to Nicodemus about the condition of his heart. Jesus said to him in verse number 3, he answered and said, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, I say unto you, except a man be born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. Somebody shout the word see. That's very important to remember that in verse number 3 it says to see. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now when we talk about the kingdom of God, there are several different directions we can go. Number one, we can just say the thing that automatically comes to all of our mind and it is true from top to bottom and it's basically this, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're not going to go to heaven. Now, we don't say that flippantly. We don't say that 
uh, with joy. That is, that, that is a heartbreaking statement to realize that there are people who would actually live their entire life and not make it to heaven. The Bible said it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saved us. And so it's because of the mercy of God. It's because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of the sacrifice of Calvary that we can give our life to Christ. So first of all, number one, we could just simply say, if we don't have Jesus in our heart, we're just not going to make it to heaven. The second thing is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus said uh, that He cannot see the kingdom of God. So we can understand that the kingdom of God can be interpreted as seeing God's systems and God's ways of doing things. When I go to Jamaica and I go minister to the pastors in Jamaica and I go minister to the churches in Jamaica, once I leave the United States of America and land on Jamaican soil and go through customs, I am in the country of Jamaica. There are certain things you do not do in Jamaica that you do in America like drive on the right side of the road <laughs> because they are under English culture and if you drive on the right side of the road, you're going to have a head-on collision because they all drive on the left side of the road over there. So there are different things. I mean, we could just go on and on and on, but there are different things. It's their system. It's their ways of doing things. It's the laws of Jamaica. It's their kingdom. Jesus said, except a man be born again and gains entrance, and you'll see that in just a few moments, into the kingdom of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you cannot see God's system and God's ways of doing things. Simply put, there are some things that lost people are not going to understand until they give their life to Jesus Christ. They will never be able to understand it because they are living in spiritual blindness. The things, of, the things of the church don't make sense to them. I'll give you an example. They can't understand tithing. They can't understand giving. They can't understand the fact that if we give 10% of our increase to the Lord, that God will help us live better on the 90% than we could the entire 100%. That just makes absolutely no reasonable sense whatsoever. But when you give your life to Christ and you start experience covenant and you come into covenant relationship with Christ and you actually put into practice that principle and see the results, then you say, you know what? That works. With reason, when you reason it out, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. There are people, they'll say, well, I just don't understand. I don't understand how a God that loves us would send his son Jesus to die such a cruel death to die on Calvary, and then he could take that blood and put it against my sins and wash me and cleanse me and remember that sin against me no more. Remove that sin as far as the east is from the west. Listen, you might not be able to understand it, but it happens. It happens. And when we give our life to Christ, the Bible said that the just live by faith. So the point I'm trying to make here is you will never be able to convince someone through reason what they can only get through revelation. Selah. Stop and think about that. You will never be able to talk someone in to giving their life to Christ because you convinced them intellectually that that's what needed to happen because giving your life to Christ doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to a lost person. It can only be revealed to us. That's why the just 
live by faith. And so when Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, Jesus was saying to him, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel. You are a master in Israel. You have all of these degrees. You actually teach people. But what I'm telling you, it isn't going to make any sense to you until you actually, you won't be able to see it until you actually allow Christ to come in to your life. So then, seeing the kingdom of God can further be interpreted as understanding things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was trapped in practicality. His next statement to Jesus was, well, how can we enter the second time into our mother's womb and be born? And I can almost hear Jesus looking at him saying, Nicodemus, give me a break. I mean, give me a break because, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not real sure, you know, I'm not real sure if, if Nicodemus was you know, just trying to be smart with Jesus. I'm not sure if he was trying to be snide with him. I, I, I'm not sure, you know, what the tenor of that conversation was. Maybe he was inquisitive. Maybe he actually had the question. Maybe it was really more of a serious question. Or maybe it was just him kind of looking at him and saying, come on, man, you know, what am I going to do? You know, crawl back up in my mother's womb and be born again? You know, so, so, I mean, there are people that are actually like that when you talk to them. I mean, I had one person tell me, she said, I like my life. Why would I want to go live it again? And that just lets, lets you know they can't understand, lost people can't understand what it means to be born again. That's why it's so important to pray for them. So Jesus starts talking to Nicodemus here. He says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now say, enter. All right. Now in verse number 5, Jesus was telling Nicodemus, after he said, can I enter the second time in my mother's womb to be born? Jesus was telling Nicodemus, he said, unless you are born of the water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In verse number 3, he said, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse number 5, he said you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you see the natural progression of Jesus trying to move Nicodemus along, helping him to understand things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In verse number 3, he said you need to be born again. Nicodemus said that's not possible. Jesus said you're not going to understand it unless you're born again. And then in verse number 5, he said you have to be born of water and you have to be born of the Spirit. And when that happens, you will actually enter into the kingdom of God. So not only do you see it, but now you are an active participant in God's system and God's ways of doing things. So what does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit? What does baptism really mean? I mean, we obviously know that it means that we are, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. We're buried with Him in baptism and we are resurrected anew and, and the water doesn't save you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you. The baptism is the symbol, it's the obedience and it's the testimony to the world that the old man is dead and I'm living as a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm putting off the old man and I'm putting on the new man. I'm doing that through the renewing of my mind. I'm doing that through allowing God's word to be taught into my spirit and into my life. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to let God live inside of me and live in me and through me and big in me. So when we see where it says being born of the water and of the Spirit, then what Jesus was saying to him was that there must be a natural birth and there must be a spiritual birth. So in answer to Nicodemus's question, he says you qualify because you had a natural birth. But what I'm talking to you about is not just a natural birth. I'm talking to you about a spiritual birth also. Now without getting too gross here, some of you ladies, when you gave birth to your children, right before the baby was born, the water broke. 
That's being born of the water. That speaks of being born of the water, okay? Now, like I said, I don't want to get nasty or crass or anything, but I want us to understand that. I want us to understand something. The reason that you are giving birth to this child and the water broke and this beautiful child that's going to carry on your name and your DNA and all of this is coming into the world is because nine months or so earlier there was a seed that was planted in your womb. And that seed grew until it came time for birth when the water broke and, 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 you were, and, you were, and your child was born. The Bible refers to the Word of God as the seed of God. And so when we talk to lost people about Christ, we may not see them give their life to Christ at the point of that first conversation, but we are planting a seed that can grow and that can mature till one day the scales, as the Bible says in Corinthians, will fall off their eyes and they'll see their need to give their life to Christ. That's why I said before that most of the time when you lead somebody to Jesus it's because somebody has went before and they have already talked to them about Christ. Jesus was telling Nicodemus, this is the process. You have to be born of the water and you have to be born of the Spirit and when you become born of the Spirit because no man comes to God except the Spirit draws him. So when you become born of the Spirit then you are able to gain entrance into the kingdom of God. I can teach you all about the kingdom of God. I can teach you about it. You can quote the Bible better than I can. But the devil can quote the Bible. I can teach you theological things. I can take you up and down and all around theological. I can teach you all kinds of things. Knowing about something and practicing it are two different things. So knowledge revealed is powerful, but knowledge implied is more powerful. That's what's going to bring about what we're believing God for. And so what the Bible is saying here is when you become born of the water and of the Spirit, then you have gained entrance into the kingdom of God. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 that if we seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things would be added unto us. So Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and He was saying, Hey, boy, I want you to understand. Well, he didn't call him boy, but He said, Hey, Nicodemus. He said, I want you to understand something here. He said, I want you to understand that you have to be born of the water and you have to be born of the Spirit in order to experience the new birth. So Jesus continues to explain it. He talks to him about the wind. I think it's very important for us to understand that the message of the new birth was never ever intended to be complicated. It's not difficult to tell somebody about Jesus. In fact, I tell people it's not even difficult to live for Jesus if you're surrendered. If you live a surrendered life, the only time that it becomes difficult to live for Christ is when we fight the will of God. Or we fight the word of God. Or we fight the plan of God. For our life. Then it becomes difficult. And so we have to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to live surrendered to you. I want, I want your power. I want your presence. I want your anointing. Lord, I want, I want you to be able to use me. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. Lord, I want to be your expression. I want to be your ears and your eyes. God, I just want to be your mouthpiece. Lord, I want you to use me. I want to reach out to those that are lost and undone without you. I want them to experience you in a wonderful, powerful way. 
Jesus was talking to Nicodemus here and he began to explain a new birth and he did it in a simple way where Nicodemus could hopefully understand it. And he said this, he said, The wind blows wherever it wants just as you hear the word but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Let me say something to you. There are some things about God that you are never going to understand. I've been serving God my whole life. 49 years I've been serving the Lord. I've been serving Him all my life. Preached my first message when I was 8 years old. Fell in love. I can't remember a time when I didn't love God. I remember times when I've been mad at God. I'll be honest with you. I can remember times that I didn't understand the things that were happening. But I can't remember one single day where I didn't love God. And there are still things about the Word of God and God I do not understand. There are, if, if you're waiting to understand everything, you're never going to understand it. If you say, well, I just can't talk to people about Christ because I just don't know how to do it. Well, that's what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you how to do conversational evangelism. I'm teaching you how to not go out there and be a Jesus freak, but I'm teaching you how to just live for God. And just let the conversations develop around you. And when you get the opportunity to give God some kudos, you just do it. Yeah, God, huh? Praise the Lord. Just have a conversation with people about the Lord. So we see here, uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. He says, You know what, Nicodemus, I know you're a teacher, I know you're a master in Israel. I know that we're the type of people that like to have all of the answers because we are the teachers and we don't ever want a question asked of us that we can't answer. That just seems to be the plague of being a teacher. What I found out, somebody asked me once, they said, what did you learn in Bible college? What is the number one thing you learned in Bible college? I said, I can tell you real quick. I said, I learned just how much I didn't know. Jesus told him, being born of God is like the wind. You won't understand it, but you know that it's there. Many times Jesus uses nature to explain teachings in simple, tangible, and uncomplicated ways. He never intended for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be complicated. Let me give you a few scriptures. 2 Corinthians 1 and 12. For our rejoicing is this. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. You know that rowdy bunch I've been telling you all about. The testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. The grace of God is God's ability. He said God gave us the ability to speak with you with simplicity and godly sincerity. Then we go to 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety or trickery, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. If we let the devil, he'll complicate living for God. If we let him do that, he'll complicate it. He'll make it complicated for us. I told him in the first service, if I was the devil, there are two things that I would fight. Number one, I would fight tithing and offerings. Because I would try to make people think, I, I would give them all kinds of excuses. That's an Old Testament principle. That's not something we should be doing today that, you know, you just don't... And, and I would talk about that. And I, and, and I would get people to think that if the pastor said anything about it, then, then all they want is money. If I was the devil, that's exactly what I would do. Because the Bible says that money answers all things and the devil knows that the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be spread around the world like we're doing it without money. 
The second thing, if I was the devil, what I would do is I would try to complicate, I would try to complicate the move of God, the move of the Spirit. I would tell people that the Holy Spirit and apostles and prophets and the move of the Spirit and people getting healed and things like that went out with the apostles. I would tell them that it's not for today. Well, first of all, let me ask you this. If it's not for today, why is it in the Bible? And number two, if it's not for today, how come Acts is the only book in the New Testament that has no ending? The reason it has no ending is because we are still living in the days of the book of Acts. We're still living in the days of the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. And their function is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, that we would all grow up into Him in all things. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if I was the devil, those are the two fronts that I would fight the church on. And guess what? That's the areas that he fights the church. He tries to tell you that God's power is not for today and he tries to tell you and he tries to mess up your mind when it comes to giving. And that seed time and harvest stuff, oh my goodness, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. And he just puts all that kind of stuff inside of your mind. Listen, don't fall trapped to the day. It is not difficult to live for God. The Bible said, I fear lest by means as a serpent beguiled Eve through trickery so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity of that is in Christ. It's very simple. We give our life to Christ. We let Christ function through us. We finance the message of the gospel of Jesus around the world and we bankrupt hell and populate heaven. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And so, uh, so Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here and he's, and, and he's talking to him. And he says, uh, listen, Nicodemus, uh, you're, you're asking me how, how can these things be? Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he challenges his heart and he says to him, he says, you're a master or a teacher in Israel and you're asking me about this? He said, if I share with you earthly things and you don't even believe them, why should I even bother sharing with you heavenly things? And so basically what Jesus was telling Nicodemus is, you know what, pal, quit giving me a hard time. Come on, just quit giving me a hard time. Now, we both, we're both rabbis here. We're both teachers, you know, and here, here we are. I'm trying to teach you. You came to me with the question because of the obvious signs and wonders, because of the Spirit of God, because of the move of God that's taken place in our life, in our ministry, in our life, and you're asking me questions. I'm trying to give you questions. You're trying to argue with me about it. So he told him, he said, look, he said, you know what? Quit giving me a hard time. Sometimes in the right way, it is right, not to be rude, but to challenge a lost person when they become aggressive against the gospel. You just have to say, come on, man. I mean, this is what Jesus was doing. I mean, in modern vernacular, Nicodemus, he starts just popping back at him, and Jesus is like, come on, man. Come on. I mean, here we are. Here we are. You're trying to talk to me about these things? Okay, Nicodemus, you asked for it. Here we go. The Old Testament is the promise concealed, and the New Testament is the promise revealed. What does that mean? Jesus took him straight to when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He talked to him about that because he realized that Nicodemus understood the Old Testament, that he understood the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Moses' law. He understood that the serpent was a symbol of Satan. He understood that, that, that eventually it would, that we, would, it, we would bruise our heel and bruise the serpent's head. He also understood 
that Nicodemus knew that brass, because it was a brazen serpent, was a symbol of the judgment of God. That it was at the brazen altar where they brought the lambs and slew them and, and, and it eradicated their sin or covered the sins of the people for an entire year. So he immediately went there with Nicodemus. He said, okay, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about this. So he talks to him about that and, and they talk a little bit about it there and then they, then they go on and the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse number 10, I'll pour upon the house of David upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace, of supplication, and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. So he gets Nicodemus' attention again. So they're talking theology. Jesus went to where Nicodemus' mind was because everything Nicodemus understood, once again, he understood through reason instead of revelation. Sometimes we have to go to where they are mentally. Listen to me. Never find fault with a lost person for the things about God that they don't understand. People are afraid of what they don't understand. People will fight what they don't understand. Sometimes people will combat us if, if, if they don't understand what we're, what we're trying to say. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do with you, Nicodemus. I'm going to talk to you about the love of my Father. Now I want you to understand very, very, very uh, clearly today that John chapter 3 and verse number 16 is not a cliché. John chapter 3 and verse number 16 is part of a conversation that Jesus was having with a ruler of Israel, a teacher of Israel, who had very real questions about the kingdom of God. Jesus talked to him about being born again. Jesus explained to him that it had to be of water and of the Spirit. Jesus talked to him about the brazen servant being lifted up in the wilderness. He talked to him about the Old Testament being concealed. That was the brazen servant and serpent and the New Testament being revealed and that was Christ, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Nicodemus believed that a Messiah was coming. He was a ruler of Israel. He had to believe that. He believed that a Messiah was coming. He believed that one day that which had been hidden would be revealed. That's why in, in biblical studies we have what they call types and shadows. A lot of times we see in the Old Testament things that are types and shadows of things that come to light or were revealed in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the lamb that was slain one time a year and offered upon the brazen altar was a symbol of the lamb that would one day be slain and enter one time into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for you and I. That lamb is Jesus Christ. He identified himself as Jesus Christ. So Jesus talked to him about the Old Testament being concealed and the New Testament being revealed. And then Jesus immediately shifted the conversation to the most powerful force in the universe and that's the love of God. We have to be discerning. When we're talking to lost people, 
Now, this is just an old country term, and you know what? I'm a country person, and I'm proud to be country. I get so tickled at some of these city folks sometimes. They want to gripe and complain about all of us and our John Deere's and our Carhartt's and our NASCAR and all of those kinds of things and laugh and criticize. Well, if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't be eating. Yeah, we're not the strange ones they are. Hallelujah. Anyway. The old country terminology that I want to use here is we have to be very discerning when it comes time for the person to be ripe for the picking. We have to be discerning to know when their heart is ready to receive. And when their heart is ready to receive, we automatically just start talking to them about the love of God. Because let me tell you something, there comes a point when all you have to do is start talking to them about the love of God and that truth will pull them on in every single time. Here's what I like about the love of God the most powerful force in the universe. Every day, the Bible says in Psalms 139 and verse 17, God thinks of you. Every hour, Psalms 121 and verse 5, God watches over you. Every minute, Psalms 15 and verse number 7, God cares for you. And every second, Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, the Bible says God loves you. Why would He love me? Why would He love me? Why does God love me? I have a friend about a week ago, we were a couple of weeks ago actually now, we were doing some teaching and he was the main speaker actually up north in northern Florida. And we were up there and he was talking and God had blessed him to take his church from less than 100 to a mega church in a period of about 25 years in St. Louis. And we've been friends for almost 30 years and we knew him way back then and we're still friends today and I just really... Uh, love and appreciate him and his wife and, and the impact they're trying to make on the kingdom and the knowledge they're trying to pass on to our younger pastors now. But he shared with everybody the story about how that in October every year he would go somewhere and spend just a few days alone hiking. And he would take a pen and a piece of paper or a pencil and a piece of paper and he would take a, a Bible and that's all. He, and he would get God's agenda for the coming year. I, I'm familiar with that. I do that myself. I spend about a week all by myself, not even with my family. I just spend a week all by myself in the fall of the year most of the time or sometimes it's only three or four days. I really like a week. But three or four days and the whole time is I'm just trying to unload all of the junk and just trying to get completely clear so I can hear what God is saying for Lakewood and for us for the coming year. So he said, I was out there hiking one day. And he said, I was upset at God. He said, God had blessed us. And he said, I was so upset. And he said, we were running about 2,000 people. And he said, you know, he said, I had my backpack there with me. I had a couple of, you know, pistols with me because he hiked in the woods and there were snakes and stuff there. And so he would use them to kill snakes. And he said, here I am. He said, I'm walking along there. And he said, I start talking to God. And he said, the more I walk, the madder I got. And he said, finally, I pulled one of them guns out and I said, God, I've spent my entire life serving you and what for? Boom! And he got this other gun out and he said, Lord, he said, there's times in my life when it seemed like our family was going to fall apart because of the pain of the ministry and what people say and how they've treated our family. And Lord, why does it have to be? Boom! And he just shot again. And he said, I emptied those clips just Chewing out God. He said, now I want you to understand, I wasn't shooting at God. You can't kill God. Wasn't, wasn't shooting at God. It's just boom, 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 boom. He said, when they got empty, the Lord spoke to me, he said. 
And he said, you know what, you're, you know, you know what the problem is? And he said, no, God, what is it? He said, I'm not pleased with you. He said, but God, we've built this church to 2,000 people. We're winning people to Christ. He said, yeah, you've led it, but you haven't brought me sons in ages. And until you bring me sons, I will not be pleased with you anymore. He said, I fell there, cried out to God, and he said, we had this long conversation over the next couple of days. And he said, I asked the Lord, I said, how come you love me? After all of this, how come you love me? And he said, God spoke to him and said, why do you love your daughters? He said, well, because they're mine. He said, that's why I love you. Because you're mine. You belong to me. We will never be able to explain the love of God. Let's just be real, okay? You might get mad at God. You might even cuss at God. I've heard of people doing that. You might pitch a fit and all of this, and you know what? His love will still be there. It'll still be there. He thinks of you every day. He watches over you every hour. He cares for you every minute. And He loves you every second. Why? Because God says, you're mine. You're mine. So Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about this powerful thing called love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love springs from God, and he who loves the fellow, his fellow man is begotten or born of God and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of Him. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know Him, for God is love. He is the essence of love. He is the definition of love. He is, in fact, love. In this, the love of God was made manifest or shown openly where we are concerned in that God sent His Son, the only begotten or unique Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Now let me say this. Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. But Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son of God. The Bible calls Him the first fruits of many brethren. The Bible also calls him the seed of the woman. When Jesus died on Calvary and was put in the grave, the seed for God generations was planted in the earth. Then he rose again in great power and resurrection and glory, which means he sprouted and then ascended up into heaven, and now we are indeed sons of God and heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We will never attain the position that Jesus has. He was, is, and forever shall be the first and only begotten Son of God. Now, we are sons of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. So the Bible says here, 
that God sent His only begotten or unique Son into the world so that we could live through Him. And I don't have time really to get into that. I've taught that here before. But in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice or the propitiation for our sins. It's the love of God. So Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about this. He said, hey, for God so loved the world, Nicodemus, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then he went on and explained that not everyone is going to accept that, that this truth, but to those that do, they will experience the power of God in their life and the new life that living for God can bring. And so Jesus explained to Nicodemus that in order to have this kind of power, you need to accept, understand, try to understand, and practice the love of I don't know anybody who doesn't like to be loved. They might tell you that they don't, but in their heart, they love the embrace. In their heart, they love the connection. And there's absolutely no one walking today that would not like to be loved by God. We have a responsibility through conversational evangelism to share the message of salvation and the love of God. You don't have to have a big long conversation like Jesus did. You might just say something like praise the Lord around them to begin with. You know, the first one or the second, one of, one of those five that you're praying for this year. Just start praying for them. Lord, let the scales fall from their eyes that they can see that they need you. Lord, give me the opportunity to communicate your love for them to them. Begin to pray for them. Start making contact. Start just trying to have conversations. He that is going to have friends must show themselves friendly. People say, well, I just don't have any friends down here. Show yourself friendly. There's a whole lot of people in this church that would like to be your friend. Come to me. I'll tell you which ones should be your friends and which ones shouldn't. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Be discerning. Don't let just anyone into your life. But let's learn how to let God use us to win people to Christ through conversational evangelism. Okay? this help you today? All right, let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.